You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to Land Legacy Podcast. This is your host, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. And Zach Shermer. And we are coming to you live on Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, right here for the Hunting Podcast. That is right. We we talked about it before we got started here, um, and while in New Orleans recently. But season's right around the corner. Mm-hmm. I mean, going to have here. to cut it, cut it out with that water bottle. It sounds like he's <laughs> Look. pulling up water from a well. <laughs> Look, man, when a guy's thirsty, a guy's thirsty. He's got to do what he's got to do. I am uh, getting ready for an elk hunt, so I got to hydrate. I'm, I'm, I'm you hydrating know, months I'm, out in I'm, advance. I'm running a bunch and, and sweating Plus a lot it. during the day. What is it? <laughs> Are you taking your supplements? <laughs> so I've got to stay hydrated, guys. So sorry if you hear me drinking. Drinking water, though. Water. Just yeah. through this podcast. You nice, clean Keep water. Keep it PG yeah. or G. Yeah. Just nice, clean water. That's Good. right. So with it being... This will air into uh, July. Tail about, end. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and for all of us, I know you're headed at the end of August to the mountains. We're yes, headed to the to the prairie. And uh, so hunting season is really for about a month away. And so yeah. as we gear up for that, it's like, okay, let's start talking strategy. I mean, we can talk about all kinds of different stuff. We but can talk really, about all the things that we need to do between now and then, <laughs> which is a long list. <laughs> like, oh, shoot the bow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you haven't been shooting your bow? Um, I think I've shot it probably a dozen to two dozen times in the garage. I, I, and I, I'm, I'm sad to say it, but it's the truth. That's it. Yeah. That really is it. Have That's you? Right. Yeah, I've been shooting a lot. Um, we got some public land like 20 miles from our house or so 15 oh minutes. you go down to the <clears throat> boat arch yeah, 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 yeah. And i just they have a cool little 3d range but yeah <clears throat> i'm just you know whenever i have that giant seven by seven bull in front of me yeah, yeah. screaming in my face i want to make a good shot so hey i can understand that wait you're supposed to be filming what are you doing? <laughs> oh no, this is my uh, leisure time, guys. I got to have a little a, break. That's right. <laughs> this is the, get the season start off right with the bow in the hand. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. That'll be fantastic, man. That'll be cool. You know, and and I think you know, there's so much about hunting and and kind of as we gear up into where you almost get there mentally long before it. You you do get there mentally long before it ever 
kicks off and opens up. But when we were discussing, discussing, oh my gosh, it's late at night, <laughs> discussing um, pre-show kind of the ideal, what the plans are for, um, what the plans are for as soon as season opens up. September 15th for us in Missouri, because when we're out west in the prairie, it, it, We've never done that, so it's going to be flying by the Girl, seat of our right. pants. <clears throat> I see deer, I chase deer type right. of stuff, and deer, so in in oh, <laughs> and then for you in the mountains, it's going to be I hear elk, go I to, chase elk. Don't let wind them. hit me in the back. Right, <laughs> and so it's pretty. I mean, there's it's way more complicated than that, but realistically, that's what our our game plan is: mm-hmm. S- spot them and go chase them. What if we changed our strategy though, and like just started thinking like caveman hunting, like caveman? You know, <laughs> I have big stick. I have bigger <laughs> stick. I don't think we'd be very successful. <laughs> well, just like all these, all like the the hunting product, all this stuff, but just like bare boned it, like. Don't let the wind hit you in the back and just go. Let's simplify this. We've, yeah. we've complicated right? we things do too much. We've just yeah. complicated so much stuff and just be downright practical or you are kicking back. And I'm Boy. scared for you because you might fall over. It's a cheap chair from Ikea. <laughs> oh, you're <laughs> done. <laughs> Sorry. Denmark made. You're when you done. Hear, when you hear <laughs> splintering of woods, Adam. you know I'm down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Adam is leaning bold, very bold far back on boob. a wooden chair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Against his drywall with his feet up on the table. Yeah. It's a matter of time before you break that chair and we laugh. And well, then it was eight no, bucks. So no prairie hunt for you. <laughs> um, for, so when we look at early season strategy, minus the caveman, well, let's find deer. Um, you have so many things that come on. So this podcast is devoted to the early season strategy. The things to weigh out, the mm-hmm. the pieces of the puzzle to take in and say, what can I put together to try and capitalize on a hit list buck, whether that be a three and a half year old, a two and a half year old, or a forky horn because you're new to hunting, just new to hunting, or you have a recurve. How can I capitalize opening day or opening week, early season, whenever that is, yeah. for the. F- for the sake of this podcast, we're going to say it's either early September or mid-September or sometime slightly after. Yep. Because there's kind of a shift that happens in early October that may be a little different mm-hmm. for for the it, sake of this podcast. And I fought that growing up in Virginia. It was like I'd go out to fields, you know, late August. So like people who are start hunting in like early September, middle September, my gosh. It's like – When's it start there? October 1. Well, so, it sounds man, easy. Be... I thought the same thing till you started hunting Kentucky opening when it opened September 5th or whatever. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. they're going to be pouring it. You get hit with horrible heat, and they're like, yeah. oh. Down. Down for the count. Yeah. See you when it gets dark, dude. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, and yeah. And so it's like, all right. But, you know, when we get to September 15th, September 14th, let's just say we're getting preparing. What are we looking for? The different scenarios that play out. So – I almost always you're going to have heat um, September that's, that's, 15th. You always have to watch. You mm-hmm. always got to watch that heat. What's happening? And and it's a relative heat too. It's it's not okay, it's it's 80. Uh, I'm I'm staying at home cuz in in our area it can be 85 easy as a norm. Oh, yeah. When it's 90, I really want to stay away from that. 80 is warm, but relative to that time frame I'm not getting scared. That's not at, too bad. No, it's it's really not. 
and and the other side of that is when you just said it you touched on it is when it's early season a lot of times we want to capital this is one of the biggest problems we'll face when it comes to early season hunting is going i have a deer on a pattern a somewhat pattern i put that in air quotes a somewhat pattern as in He's coming into this food plot, this field, this alfalfa field, this soybean field, every other day or two days in a row, and then he may skip a day. He's coming out there pretty regularly. Season has now opened up, but the conditions suck. What do I do? One, I just want to say, just because he doesn't show up on camera that like third day doesn't mean he doesn't come. I was come. talking glassing, too. Oh, you're, oh okay. Yeah. I was going to say, if he's on trail cam, he could be other parts of the field, whatever. Yeah, yeah. totally. So yeah. If, if you find yourself in that situation, just because it's not like every single day at 5 o'clock, he walks just by this, he could still easily be in the area. Yeah. If it's pretty consistent on and, the And hopefully, if, it's, if it is a field or food plot that you can get to in glass, oh, do that. that would be the much better way of scouting than was, relying on that camera that's looking over one little trail yes. as the deer comes. I was just about yeah. to say, you made a big assumption of knowing a deer's pattern because some people might not even know that. So, you know, you think before, even before September 14th, which is the day before bow season opens up here, you need to be work, You need to be finding deer way before that, <clears throat> yeah. trying to get patterns before that. Um, figuring out what fields are, you know, where are they eating, uh, where are they bedding. But so that was kind or, of, or yeah, like you kind of mentioned, or you rely on your woodsmanship to it. know where the deer are and what they're doing. That's it. And, so, and that's, that's the big thing that this podcast needs to talk about is seriously though. And that's kind of what I brought up that point earlier. It's just being smart about what it is. Go back to the basics of what are deer doing. What are they relying on? Where are they going to be So at? all the roadkill deer you see, cut the stomachs open, see what they're eating on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's woodsmanship. Yeah. <laughs> While driving down the road. That's just that's being a efficient heavy. with your time. Yeah. <laughs> all this green it's stuff. It's a little rank. <laughs> yeah. A little rank. What's all this green actually, stuff? Is that actually, just rotten or is that just food? I don't know the difference. <laughs> don't do that because it takes what, half an hour for those stomachs to get bloated? You can't Oof. get a knife into that gut without busting it. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's gross. Well, you you wait till the crows rip it out. They get your and then you started. Can dive in there. Yeah. yeah, you, you gotta say, get what? there just before the coyotes hear that dinner bell ringing. That gut opens. <laughs> it's it's soybean leaves or alfalfa, whatever. No, yep. realistically, so we're trying to figure out what the food source is. Almost, I mean, there's a big part of the year, most of the hunting season outside of the rut is what's the food source and so early season just like you would expect as you've seen all summer they're coming in alfalfa fields they're coming in soybean fields for the poor souls that are in tempered country my heart goes out to you because you really don't know what in the world they're mm-hmm. doing they're coming out in a pasture once a once a week to eat clover um yeah that was me growing up so there was no there, summer scouting um, to where you're like, oh, yeah, they're coming out in that field. The guys that had the alfalfa fields, the guys that had the great hay fields with tons of clover, those Red are the clover. ones that started seeing the deer pouring out into mm-hmm. them. But um, So you're trying to figure out the food source. You're trying to, okay, what's the food source in relation to where they're bedding? And a lot of times there's not a specific bedding area. I think bedding area gets overused a lot in, in the <clears throat> in the honey world because we say bedding area but 
when you travel, when we travel the country as wildlife consultants, land consultants, there is not really a acres and acres and states and states and counties and counties of ideal bedding. There's landscape of terrible habitat. That's that's why we have a job. Unmanaged (laughs) timber, unmanaged prairie, unmanaged grasslands, whatever it is, there's not ideal bedding. So we really don't know what the ideal bedding is. But for... I I was going to say, I think that that transition zone between... In an early season situation, between a food source that you know is getting hit and the bedding, or or the general bedding, yeah. is is where you need to strike. Honestly, in in an early season situation, because and during the hot days, they might not get out to that field before dark. So if you can be there and be in that middle ground, not get too close because you don't want to spook or alert them, then you need to um, try and get in that transition zone. In, in, a, in a safety zone between that and the bedding. Now, like you said, brought up a really good point. <clears throat> Typically, there's not distinct bedding areas. There are not distinct pockets of good cover where deer are consistently going to bed down. But if not, that needs to be a part of your hunting strategy for the next season. Yeah, and I mean, and, those deer usually will come out in a particular area of a field almost every time, it seems like. Yeah. And it's probably away from where you enter the field. So... Hopefully. Hopefully, right? right. Yeah, sometimes it's not. But um. let's just say, okay, let's break this down even more. Ideal food sources during the early season, or what are the most talked about ones? What are the ones that we see the being the air quote food source during opening day, opening week, sometime in early September to mid to late September? One of them that I see a lot coming from Cat. Cattle country, alfalfa fields. Yeah, big time. As we said earlier, red clover pastures. Yep. Um, those two, those cattle country guys, that's you. Um, then you see soybean fields. And it's the soybean fields that are greener mm-hmm. than all the other soybeans. The fields. double crop. They got yes. put after the wheat. Yes. That's that's you guys. Not the yellow. Not, yep. the, not the soybean fields that are already starting to turn yellow. Um the soybean fields that are still real dark green, which takes scouting to know during the middle of summer. This is a, this is a full year game. Those food plots that have been planted in late July or August that had adequate rain to where they're really coming on, and they're a very attractive food source. So timber country guys, that's still you, or it could even be the food plot in the transition area between the bedding area and the big crop field, and for the guys in the crop country. Those, to me, are the food sources during early season. Those are the main ones that I think of. There's probably some other ones. But let's also include um, the oat field, uh, some fields that were food plots planted in oats as well that that are great um, looking as well. Um, Any of those food plots that have adequate rain, soybeans, alfalfa. I don't. I can't think of any others that, that's that a come good, to mind. A very that's good inclusive that, list of of the top. Because we, we cover the crop country guys, forage. we cover the timber country guys, we cover the cow, cattle country guys. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one would be white oak acres. I said right. just the tail end of that, or it's going to be getting to the white the, oak situation. Another one could be fruit trees. Yeah. Um, so all of those fruit trees, persimmon trees. If you have one that drops early, um, the guys down south. It's sawtooth acorns, um, saw, sawtooth oaks. 
um, depending on when they're dropping in your area. So those, I think that really Brought covers it, it all. Now the next question is, because even if you have the very best alfalfa field, the very best soybean field, the very best white oak acorn grove is where are they coming from? Right. How, Just how because far you are have they a, coming? How far do they have to come to get there? Yes. Because if you took a Walmart parking lot, plowed it all under, got rid of all the concrete, planted all these fruit trees, and all this alfalfa, and you had the best food plot in the world, just because it's the best food plot in the world doesn't mean you're going to be able to kill a good buck out of it just because we got to know where they're coming from first. Yep. And so it's an association of, of good bedding cover with the food source in an early season situation. So ideal setup is a primo bedding area close to a great food source. And the ideal hunting situation would be, would be get in between. Not on the edge of one, not on the edge of the other, but in between. Because if you get too close to the bedding, you risk bumping them. If you get too close to the to the feeding area, you risk them not getting there before dark. And then if they do get there right at A dark, bunch of deer you have to get out of there yep. still. So in between is the ideal situation. But I think a lot of times we want to set right on the edge of the field. Oh, yeah. And watch because we think, okay, that's where I saw him. We, He's we coming out numbers. right there. And then if he comes out in the other end, I know to move. Mm-hmm. So I think that's – that. I fought that struggle so much growing up because every once in a while we find a soybean field that, that we could hunt. Every once in a while we find an alfalfa field that we could hunt. And then it was like, well, I got to sit on it. I got to sit on it so in case he doesn't come out under me, I'm going to go to the other side. Yep. But that all was also <clears> – <throat> falling victim to a bad bedding area and not having a specific, specific area that you know they're bedding in. Yes. Uh, and to me, even beyond a hunting situation <clears throat> of or hunting knowledge of where the deer is bedding, it, it's a it's just a peace of mind that hey, I can I can comfortably enter these woods with whatever kind of activity you're doing preseason, whether it is hanging that set, I can get in there and I can make a little bit of noise, maybe a little bit of disturbance, and I'm not going to bump them. I'm not going to. I'm not going to change their, change their pattern or, or you know disrupt any type of activity. If they're bedded, I want to know that they're bedded just far enough away that I can get in between the two of them and cut them off and and walk in and out with the right wind and not bump them. And I feel like a lot of these the situations um, that we talked about in early season and and a place that a lot of deer choose to bed um, and a lot of times where these bottom fields if you will planted in alfalfa planted in in um the clover or or soybean fields are and at this time of the year the the best ones are close to these bottoms and that technically in the cooler bottoms where you get a circulation of air um that that's kind of tumbling and it tends to be cooler and more moist that's where a lot of these deer are laying down and there and is there is no there is like zero room between the two Exactly. And, Typically. And, and that goes with the phone call we had from a client, or I had from a client yesterday. Another thing to think about in those river bottoms, in those cool areas, the temperatures are cooler. There's vegetation There's that's extremely just extremely. I mean, you've got the uh, stinging nettle and, and river oaks Jewelweed. and all kinds of stuff growing. But then a lot of times it's sandy, loamy dirt that's really cool as well. Yep. And so you have the best, and it's soft. I mean, 
if I had to lay on rocks or sand, I'm going to pick the sand. They can just lay there, get up, eat, and then go right back to bed. Yep. And I had a phone call yesterday that asked, um, Adam, I'm out here trying to get this stand shifted around. And I know where you guys said to hang the stand was back, but the deer, there's deer beds everywhere in here. And like, I, am I going to jump them when I come in here? To, and it's like, mm. that is a classic case of they're bedding in there now. They're close Currently. to the bed or they're close to the, to the feeding area. They're close to the soybeans. It's cooler. The vegetation's tall. First heavy frost hits, a lot of that vegetation falls. You can see through it. The the crops get harvested. They're now wide open. Yep. We're hunting it because we want you to hunt there because it's a pinch to catch them in the mornings as they're working their way through. The, and the sign is a seasonal deal. Mm-hmm. But in early season, you got to be careful about that because if he had tried to go, go in there and hunt that, he would have ruined his hunts. Yeah. And so that's the thing you risk if you're hunting right next to – if you don't have defined bedding – you have defined feeding, trying to figure out how to get in between the two That's, where you're not going to. It's scoot. just as important to know where the defined bedding is as it is in comparison to knowing where the defined feeding areas are, in, oh, yeah. my, in my opinion. Because, again, this is early season. This is an early season technique, tactic, and we want to preserve and not be educating these deer early on. We want to hunt them late, later on in October, November, and just keep them oh, as chill as possible. If you shoot a mature buck that first hunt, you might not see him until rut. You know, he might be he might be you a never, nocturnal deer. You never but, know what you what you can do. Yeah. So let's let's list out ideal bedding areas during the early part of season. Typically, as we said, you're dealing with heat. You're trying to find the areas that are ideal bedding that are cool and a deer can survive. That's mm-hmm. what he's looking for. He's he's trying to find the best place to bed that he's not gonna be fallen to predators. So, as Matt mentioned earlier, bottoms, creek bottoms where there's a lot of vegetation, swamps, a lot of sw- a lot of swirly winds. I mean, that's just it, no matter what time of the year, if you get swirly winds, probably a pretty good chance there's going to be deer bedding in there at some mm-hmm. point. Um, so we're looking at swamps, river bottoms, even just a a bottom in terrain country that's not that doesn't have a river. It's just a little drainage. Swirly winds, they're out of the sun. Out, that's a big thing is out so of the sun. So out of the sun is another thing. So you think about in t- north terrain slope. country, north slopes. Sometimes it's the north slope right on the crest to where they can be shifting around more on the east slope as, as the day progresses. Um, so we're looking for north slopes and, and east slopes, um, river bottoms, creek bottoms, valleys, anywhere they can find shade, swamps, um, any of those, and even like in in this, even some of those north slopes where this is the huge debate I get with our hatred towards east and red cedar. Once again, we don't hate east and red cedar. We hate we hate east and red cedar monocultures. <laughs> I said it six times, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, you can find deer bedding in those evergreen patches if the if the sun is in the right position. It doesn't matter about it being a monoculture it's it's trying to get out of that sun mm-hmm. so we 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 define those bedding areas we've defined those feeding areas now it's in correlation with each other trying to figure out how they're close and a lot of times they're not close enough to really get deer on their feet moving 
during daylight hours to where you can capitalize on them because they're not close enough. It, it, when you're hunting on right on trying to hunt over that food source, that main food source, it can be very tough, and you want to be reserved and not go in, you know, too deep and ruin stuff. But that's why again that knowledge of where are they betting at, where can I get away with it? And in early season, we're always fighting um, inconsistent wins. It seems like, and I feel like we get. We don't get that many strong winds. So if you're in the area and you're trying to hunt um, and you know these deer are, are, are traveling through this bottom, you, know, you want to capitalize on them as they're they're making their way out of that That's area. Risky. That's really risky with that wind situation because it is swirling already in there and you don't have a heavy wind mm-hmm. and it's humid as heck and your, your sense is just kind of sitting there and it's just kind of tumbling. And that's a situation where you don't you don't put yourself in. I would don't. rather have that creek that's flowing. Major. Big time. <laughs> if it is that hot, I want to swim up it. <laughs> yeah. Bow above my head like Rambo style. <laughs> or take a kayak in and and then use that the thermals to my advantage. The, the flow of the water to pull on a consistent motion, consistent direction. And I think your scent. that's probably one of the biggest mistakes I see and have done myself is I have a deer on somewhat of a pattern but I take it way too risky, and I go into a spot where I'm already sweating. Mm-hmm. There's tons of humidity, so deer let's, can smell. Yeah, let's just be real. So, we, we can't get to a stand in September without sweating. No. Here. It's we impossible. Can't. Unless you swim in. Yeah. Unless you swim <laughs> Scuba in. Scuba gear. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, wetsuit comes off. Actually, they make camo wetsuits anymore. What? And I know, a th- oh, wow. I know a mosquito's not biting through that. Yeah, right? No kidding. Um, and so, to me, you're trying to get in there without sweating a lot. And sit in a spot for a couple hours when it's still hot, so you're still gonna sweat. And if it's humid, you're you're giving a deer a better chance of smelling because or of smelling you because he can smell so much better because there's so much moisture in the air. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so um, that's kind of the the fight we're against. So that's why we we get too risky and we end up bumping a deer, we end up alerting a deer, and we don't even know it a lot of times. Right, he's just. He stopped using that field. Wonder why he stopped using that field. I only hunted him twice. Well, you didn't see him, but he sure smelled you. Mm-hmm. And so, we've got the ideal bedding, the ideal feed or feeding areas. So it's trying to correlate that, and that's where you know, it was a matter of time. But the habitat podcast spilling over to the hunting <laughs> podcast, <laughs> having they go bedding areas, some, bedding some areas correlated with those feeding areas. So. And that's where diversity comes into where you have, let's say you did build a bedding area. And to me, that's one of the biggest things we can do to try and capitalize on a buck early season is to build a bedding area in correlation with that early season feeding area. So north slopes, you've blown out and you've done a TSI, you've done a bedding thicket, whatever. You've knocked down a bunch of trees to where you have adequate cover growing and they're still out of the sun. And here's the thing about that, by having that little bit habitat improved area, is because the bachelor group is going to find the best area for them to feel safe, secure, cool, and have the best forage available to them. So if it's there, they're going to use it. They're going to use it. Well, what about the habitat in between the bedding area and the field? Because that could also be very important as well. Because if you're trying to get in as close as you can without bumping him, you don't want just a wide open timber area and then this is a little thick area where he's bedding because he's probably bedding on the edge of it, right? I never want wide open timber. <laughs> never. No. That's what yeah. I mean. The habitat that, in sure. between that area to where, where you can kind of get in a little bit closer. And, and that's where it comes place, down so. to using the terrain, but also having thicker areas for the bedding 
to where you've cut more trees. There's more sunlight coming down in the middle of the day, mm-hmm. um, but it's still on a north slope to where they're out of the sun. But then you're using, you still have a lot of vegetation where you can, in, throughout the timber, in between the two, to where you can slip through without getting busted. Mm-hmm. But terrain is going to be one of the biggest things. Yeah. Using those little drainage ditches, using right. those creeks, those draws, whatever you can to slither through. And I, I think that's one of those things in all the acres and miles and miles of ground that we've walked in, in over the years of consulting and writing management plans is I don't think people take advantage of draws and they don't. creeks and I'll, ditches. I'll say it. They don't. Because you know enough. why? Snakes. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> field edges are too easy to walk. That's right. it. That's unfortunately the truth. And, it's and, too and easy. A lot of times you'll see those those ditches and stuff with log jams where you got to go in and cut them out in the summer. That's do one it. of the. That, uh, you do it. Fight the water moccasins. Beat <laughs> <Make> them <laughs> off. <laughs> Just cut the logs to where you can get through there, and it may take you ten minutes longer to get to the stand, but it's way better oh, than yeah. walking the edge of the field in, walking the Exposing edge of the field yourself, out. The yeah. the best stand, and I. We've talked about it on the podcast before, but it's one that you can use, and as soon as you get to the base of that tree is the only time that you expose yourself to the greater field of view, the range. If you can use a creek or a little floodplain or or, or it's a uh, irrigation ditch to get to where you are, pop up, crawl up into the back of a blind or up the back side of a tree, Man alive, you can you can cover so much more ground and get to places that are, you would you would say is is more sensitive if you use that type of terrain elevation change to your advantage versus field edges and open timber. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's absolutely critical, and I think, like you said, they're certainly underutilized on many many properties. So when do we know to, it's time to go after that hitless buck? We know when to go in to try and kill him when we have the food source figured out. We have him on a pattern or somewhat of a pattern. We know he's in the area. We know we have the best food source. But then we have to correlate it with the bedding area and say, is it even worth going in there and risk spooking him because the bedding area is 300 yards or half a mile that way? If the bedding area is a good ways – the only time you should risk going in there is when you have the temperatures, you have the cold front to where he's going to be on his feet a lot earlier this afternoon, and he may make it to that food plot or be headed that direction before dark. That's when you know to go in there. You get a little, you raise the bar on success if you can find that bedding area, find that feeding area, and they're a lot closer together, and then you get the right wind, and then you can get away with hunting them on. Maybe not the most ideal situation because he doesn't have very far to travel. Mm-hmm. So as soon as he stands up in the last 15 minutes of light, he doesn't have to walk very far to be close to your stand. And to me, that's that's the old juggle thing of going, okay, what is the perfect scenario? Well, if you don't know the bedding area and you think you kind of know the feeding area and then the scenario, uh, it's hot, it's humid, there's the wind's <laughs> not great. That's when your chance of success is like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Mm. It's it's like it's like your friend is watching you burn alive in a house, and we're out there. Get out of there, man! Get out of there! <laughs> Run! Get out of there! Stop! Don't do it! 
Don't yeah, do it. I, it's just, yeah, that that's what we're really <laughs> trying to. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to just like get through that and not think about it too much. Your buddy's in the house burning, and you're like, get oh, out then. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, a, a little get little, get back you know, on your visual. So that's what it's all about. You're trying to find those those ideal bedding, ideal uh, feeding, and find the path in between that you can get in and get out. Right. So a perfect. If we want to play the perfect game, we're going to look for alfalfa, soybeans, a great food plot. Less than. Not very far away, mm-hmm. so less than 500 yards, you have a perfect bedding area that's great for early season. It's out of the sun. It's got great vegetation. It's cooler. Maybe there's a creek there or something. But then you can slip in through a ditch mm-hmm. and get in between the two with a south wind because that's usually what you're getting. Um, so you're coming in from the north, and you're having that south wind hit you in the face. That's what we're looking for. Or – if we really want to get technical, I'd rather have more of a southwest wind to where there's wind coming off of the field to where they can kind of corral around right. and scent check that field Feel a as they're working there. Yeah. yeah, a little more secure. Yeah. And you can slip in through a ditch or a, under a, a at the edge of a ridge or whatever it is. That's that's the perfect situation for me. Snorkel in. Snorkel in. Take a kayak. <laughs> Take desperate a John's boat. Call for desperate measures. Yeah. <laughs> Snorkel that turns into a blowgun. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim Wells stuff right there. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so that that to me is, the, is what we're looking for um, in in our uh, early season strategy. So hopefully that helps some people on when season's getting closer, weighing out your options and going, okay, maybe it's maybe it is better to to uh, and I, I think of so many scenarios or references where you think about the the old wise guy doesn't waste his energy doing the stuff like so the old wise buck he ain't chasing does in september like the little yearling bucks are because he knows i'm not wasting my energy she's not ready and the same thing on a old wise hunter he's not wasting his time going in to hunt a less than ideal situation just because a buck has been in that soybean field doesn't mean he's going to be there the night with bad conditions or as just, in high just because right season's open oh, yeah. it's open i better go yeah no chances yeah. i don't know the, the math is fuzzy there You're, you don't just improve your chance because you're going just because you're just going cause. i just think all the guys including myself over the years that you hunt places where you don't know the bedding area and then you then you have to correlate it on okay set up cameras in the area maybe Try to figure out where they're coming from, what time they're coming in front of that camera. If it's right before dark, you still know, oh, there's probably a good chance. And then you correlate it with the temperature on the on the, uh, on the the camera or what day you got the picture. Look back and see what the temperatures were that day. Was it cooler? And he was still – we had great temperatures where he should have been moving early, but he was still really late to the field. Oh, man. Frustrating. You better go – you better start heading way back <laughs> there can, to try and find where he's coming from. <laughs> Yep. So, would you that's rather a good start? Yeah, yeah. I hope that helps a lot of people, and that definitely gives them an idea of our hunting strategy. Lets them know that we're more than just uh, that. We think more about the hunt, or we think a lot about the hunting strategy, just like the habitat strategy. Oh, for sure. So, well, they go hand in hand. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. you want to set that scenario up if you have the ability to do that. You want to set that perfect scenario up for yourself. It makes the hunting a lot yeah. easier. Well, I mean, yeah. deer deer live in that every single day, so of right. course they're going to be. Um, 
It's going to influence them. Mm-hmm. Would you rather? Oh, you guys do would you rather's on these? Yeah. but Wait, are you saying you don't listen to them? I asked Matt. Oh. What did I ask you? I asked you something. I said, would you rather sp- – yeah, would you rather spend a night on Bourbon Street? When did I ask you that? Probably when we were in – I think so, but I, I don't spend know. Spend a night yeah, on Bourbon Street? Yeah, that's right. It was for that one. Would you rather spend a night in Burb- on Bourbon Street or would you rather spend a night in Grizzly Country? No weapon at either one of them. <laughs> oh, that's boy. Right. Oh, oh boy. I think I an- didn't. We answer that one. Yeah, you said um, you'd rather. T- you said you were dead either way. I was dead either way. <laughs> Don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would take my chance in, in Grizzly Country. I think I would too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my would you rather on this one would be uh, would you rather you're 15 years old and you have to choose your first vehicle. Would you rather have an El Camino? Rambo bike. No kidding. <laughs> an El Camino or a Toyota Camry? What? A, a, a newer Toyota Camry, a newer car, or an older El Camino? Now, <laughs> Easy. Get you that El Camino, dude. <laughs> I'm thinking the El Camino. Right? Yeah. Are you yeah. kidding me? I always had this dream. Hand crank windows. Bed in the back. Bed in the back. You, you could throw a dead deer serious? in the <laughs> Hands I, down, no question. Yeah. No question. El Camino. Give me and, the, and, and an awful color, too. I don't, if you're going to oh, cruise, like burnt orange or you something. might as well look fly. <laughs> I don't care much about color because my either. first vehicle was maroon, black, and primer white. <laughs> primer. <laughs> that primer color. Classy. <laughs> and so, I, to me, I always had this dream that one day my buddies, hunting buddies and I, we would all find, we would somehow get money to blow it on El Camino so we would all have our own. And we would drive through as like it's this pack of El Camino. squad. So, yeah. Oh, shoot. Uh, El Camino, yeah. for sure. I yeah. mean, really, that that's no, no question. Great gas mileage. And, and and great benefit with the with the bed. It's what? a utility vehicle. Uh, do they still make them? I may buy one. They don't. They don't make them anymore. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't so. know why. I want a Bronco. I mean, Broncos were sick, yeah, they dude. were cool Sweet. back then. A cool Bronco. Old, uh, was it International? Um, I um, I know what you're talking about. There's, I think they're just called Internationals, right? GMC made it or something. Yeah, no, it's similar to a Bronco though. I know yeah, exactly yes, what you're yeah, talking it's about. That, there was that a guy we were hunting on a lease. He had one like that, and he had it. Just, just deck, yeah, it was sick. Out. It'd yeah. be hard to beat the old Suzuki you could, sidekick, though. You could put yeah. a you deck could put system. them on a four wheeler trail. Right, right. You could put a deck system in and an El, El Camino. Camino. Oh, dude, that would be, <laughs> I mean, fly. <laughs> Probably uh, tilt it back. Yeah. Oh gosh, <laughs> that's so cool. We yeah, should we'll bring to... that buggy back. We should we should have a, a it should be the Land Cruiser for for Land and Legacy, and that's what we travel to properties in. The El Camino, yeah, <laughs> <That'd be hilarious. laughs> put, put uh, like mud tires on it. That's, yeah, that's right. That is that's it. Right. We're gonna put ten plus. Yeah, in the Camino. <laughs> That'll be the uh, Land of Legacy rig, right? We'll take don- donations accepted if you have an El Camino. Like we'll set up a GoFundMe here. He that's had the right. old uh, Bronco. He yeah, started out with the Bronco. We're gonna yeah. start out with a El, El Camino. Camino. Golly, man, that's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, if we needed to, we could just. Throw a cot out the back too, and just oh, roll. Yeah. That's right. Sleep. I mean, <laughs> what, what, what more do you need? I don't. I don't get it. Honey, honey, we're getting El Camino. <laughs> yeah. Put a little roof rack on. You the You could cap. put a roof rack on there it. There you go. Yeah. Like the canoe racks. There you yes. go. That way you could 
I mean, you have the best of both worlds. Or just like one of those, yeah, the wire tray deals. And and then you could still have one of those um, hitch haulers, too, in the back, just just because. <laughs> to skin them right there. Yeah. Skin them right next to your bed. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't drip no blood Don't on my bed on tonight. My bed now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, all right. You guys got any would-you-rathers? <sighs> or do we just take the cake with the El Camino? That was a pretty good one, man. Can't think of anything else That's besides not, an El Camino right no, now. <laughs> I wonder if you could do like somehow put like little scent lockers in, in an El Camino or something. Scent lockers. <laughs> just storage of your clothes, right? Proper storage. I don't know. I think I think we need to wrap her up. We're getting All right. Late there night. it is. Think to yourself, would you rather have a car or an El Camino? And you're in high school. And you're a hunter. So El to me, Camino. it's an easy question. Total El Camino, man. But it's an old El Camino or a new car. <laughs> El Camino. That's right. Yeah. All right. We hope you guys enjoyed this hunting podcast. Um, check us out on Facebook at Landon Legacy, Instagram Landon Legacy. Check out our web. YouTube. Our YouTube, YouTube Landon Legacy. Check out Sportsman's uh, Nation. Sportsman's Nation. We have all kinds of things. Become for you a to member check of out. QDMA. Man, Watch the film series of Land and Legacy. That's oh, it. Fourth film's getting ready to drop. Coming now. Oh, coming, coming very now. soon, and I think they'll really enjoy it. And yes, I hope no you, um, if you see me on there, make sure you pause it because I have a beautiful mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. You're going to want to take that all in. Just imagine that flow, <laughs> the flow of the hair, in. the mustache, and the El Camino. All oh, dude. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. It's dangerous right there. All right. All Sounds right. good. We will catch you guys next time. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of Land and Legacy's Hunting and Habitat Management Podcast. If you like what you hear, check us out at landandlegacy.tv. You can submit a viewer question right there, and we're answering the podcast. Or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Feels pretty good knowing that from the beginning of time, God has called us to be a caretaker, gamekeeper, a manager of the land. So with that being said, don't you think we should do it all for the love of the land and the glory to God? Yeah.